Hey folks, welcome back to On The Mic with Mike Peters. My guest this week is Melbourne, Florida comedian Jimmy Moynihan. Jimmy was a regular in Binghamton until he moved to Florida in 2018. He's a really funny guy. He started writing jokes in high school. He's open for Eric Andre. He's just a good dude. You're going to love him a lot. Jimmy will be opening the On The Zoom comedy show on Saturday, January 30th. He'll be there with Andrew Chavone and Stephen Rogers, the host of the Panic Attacking Podcast. It's going to be a great show. Stephen Rogers on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, and you can see him live from your house. Tickets are 5 bucks and available on Facebook, Eventbrite, or you can send 5 bucks to Mike Peters Comedian on Venmo. You can also join the On The Mic With Mike Peters Patreon for 5 bucks a month, and you'll get access to every show. All the links are in the bio. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to the podcast. I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Peeling back my sunburnt skin I'll wait outside your bedroom I, I hope they let me in Hey, I appreciate you doing this podcast, dude. Hell yeah. I'm excited to do it. Love potting. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. Like, I, I've been trying to get you on for, for a couple of weeks. And a lot of people say, oh, well, Brian Regan asked me to do a show. And you just said your grandma died. So. Yeah, pretty good excuse, right? I, I know, man. A lot of people do a lot of sick stuff to get out of work with me. But I think you put it together that I killed my grandma. So I didn't yeah. have to do your show. <laughs> I don't blame you. I would do the same thing. Like, yeah, that's, I go to extreme measures to avoid people. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just uh, a series of unfortunate events. Well, especially for her. To, yeah, yeah. Why am I feeling? Why are we feeling bad about it? <laughs> I bet my grandma, I, like her last thought was, "Oh, I hope he didn't miss a podcast." <laughs> like, if she was her biggest concern, <laughs> if she was really considerate, that's exactly what her thought was. Yeah, which she was. Yeah, <laughs> I've known you for what almost four years, right? I mean, because I started in Binghamton, you started in Binghamton. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like we met at. Shit, what's that place called? We met at Maddie B's. Maddie B's. There I you go. I forgot the name of it. That was a very uh, special place, and I wish I went there more. Like, that period was when I wasn't doing comedy at all. But, geez, that, that little crew. I mean, that environment was great, crew. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're doing stuff at Kelly's, and now we're outdoors. And it's just, it, it's not the same. I don't think it'll ever be exactly oh, the outside. same as Maddie B's. Oh, Maddie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, no. yeah. No, no. You the, can't emulate a place like Maddie B's, you know? No, it had just enough grease and depression and mm-hmm. yeah. like, depravity that you need for comedy. It was, uh, yeah, it was a bummer sometimes. <laughs> it was <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I mean, you could feel the the misery in the room sometimes, but overall, people were positive and you know, had a lot of drinks or didn't drink, whatever you're into. But like, man, like CJ, I loved, I loved watching CJ, and then, uh, and then Brock Shields. Yeah, I never uh, worked with Brock. I I saw he, Brock Shields he a couple out times. Too. Yeah, yeah. He, he dipped out of comedy, which is a shame because he's like, as far as comedians I've seen live, Brock Shields is one of my favorite comedians. Like I. I laugh so hard, like out loud when I watch him. Well, when did you start doing comedy? Uh, I started doing comedy when I was, oh, 17. I uh, did a stand-up set during Wildcat Idol, the talent show. Um, oh, Johnson City? Johnson City, yeah. Okay, okay. That I co-created 
while <laughs> with my buddy uh, Rocky Vitale. So I, I kind of wanted to do it just so I could. I wanted to try stand up because I was up like eleventh and twelfth grade. I was obsessed with stand up. So I'm like, I want to do. St-. My thought was uh, I'll do stand up in front of the school. My first set was in front of all my peers, and then so my thought was like I'll do stand up. And people will be like blown away, and I'll like literally be like a star within the rest of my class. Like I thought I, and um, what happened was I did it, and then a few, maybe two or three people said, "Good job tonight," <laughs> and then nothing else. No, no, no one ever mentioned it. It was never brought up. um, (laughs) There wasn't like a full, uh, you know, like a two-page spread in the yearbook commemorating your success? Nothing. No fame. Actually, (laughs) remember the two people that said good job. That's how big it was. But then, so I did that. And then I um, started, I did it in college for two years into the comedy chair. So I got to book comics and then... Just like by default, I'll be like, hey, every time I was like, do you mind if I do like, I'll, I was like, I'll bring you up. Do you mind if I do like five, 10 minutes before? And most people, most comics would say, yeah. So that's kind of how I started. Then I took a long break. Where'd you go to college? SUNY Oneonta. SUNY Oh, okay. I have a buddy there who played rugby. And he said, he said the goal of the rugby team at Oneonta was to get banned by as many bars as possible. Oh, I'm sure that they did a good job of that, man. Uh, <laughs> they were a bunch of creeps. No, not all of them. I'm sure you're friends. <laughs> oh, no. He uh, was a delinquent. There's okay, no doubt about it. Good, yeah. Uh, that's why I stayed away. There was a few bars in Oneonta. But by the way. Oniana had some of the best bars that I've ever been to. Like they were, I have dreams about me hanging out in some of those bars. Talk about good energy, man. A lot of good people in Oniana. But then there was like a couple bars there that if you went in, you felt like you're gonna get like raped or molested. Like, <laughs> did, like it, the the vibe was right. Like you walked in and it's just they're like oh like people would walk in and then walk back. I don't know, but uh yeah oh. Jesus Christ. I think the question was, where did you You trailed off. (laughs) I know. That's what I like about you. I'll talk about something mundane and boring, (laughs) and you'll immediately segue to to rape or sex. Oh, no. Like, like you only have one track in your mind. What? (laughs) It's not rape. (laughs) No, that's that's an oddball. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, no, no. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, last night I had a theme. Uh, that we won't <laughs> discuss. We might get there, but no, I, I just, I'm curious as to, did Oneana have a comedy club, like a, like an organization for you to try stuff out, like have an on-campus open mic or something? Um, so not officially. There was open mics I would go to down, like downtown, or um, like there would be these little open mics at co- these like coffee shops within the student union. So I would do that, and then I was like, you know, I first started, so I was like super. Uh, into it and i was like super ambitious so i would just like message if i saw there was an event going on i would message the person and be like hey uh i'm a comic i'm really i'm, I'm trying to find spots to perform i'm having trouble do you, would you let me like maybe do five ten minutes before <laughs> like it does didn't matter what it was like i did uh 10 minutes before a, like a fashion show so yeah and then like at bars, I would do it before rock ba- like rock bands. The rock bands would play, but uh, basically uh, anywhere I could. I, I remember being at college. I went to Mansfield, and we had nothing like that. And I remember wanting to tell jokes at school, and like the like I had this. Uh, I don't use it very often, but uh, my ex girlfriend, I would try jokes on her. 
And Ooh. she would look at me and she, oh, it was terrible. But well, I loved it. And I mean, it was like, it was like okay. torture. Like I'm convinced my telling jokes on her is why she became a lesbian. It Maybe, was bound yeah. to happen. But I would tell her a joke and, and she'd look at me with like these dead eyes. And she'd say, Mike, you are not a stand-up comedian and I am not your audience. So shut the fuck up. Oh boy. And I'm like, I love you so much. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it was the so that, was, thing. that was a warning flag. Was that like yeah, a red yeah. flag for you? Like, oh, boy, she must hate me. No, I, I think I knew she hated me when she, uh, you know, <laughs> left me for a woman and another oh, guy. And yeah, so no, it was fine. But no, I, I want I wish like, you know, if I could think retroactively, like I really wish I'd been ambitious enough to get something like that going on campus because I don't know if it would have benefited anybody but me probably would have been like you everything know, uh, I did was to benefit me like yeah. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> like even with like I took the comedy chair and you know I'm a little tongue in cheek but I took the I, I ran for the comedy chair and then I was able to book comics but uh the reason why I really want to do that was so I could book the comics that I enjoyed I would run and buy the rest of like this student union uh, activities for but like I would show them like their stand up and they'd watch it and they'd be they'd be laughing. So, of course, they'd be like, yeah, book him. Sure. Because it has to be like you book the comics and the comedy chair is mainly the one that makes the decision. But you need like a consensus. So I got to book comics that I admired, which is really cool. And I got to like talk to them and uh, pick their brains and. And it really was ultimately selfish, but I kind of—I guess I kind of played it off like it was. But uh, boy, yeah. And then, well, it, bene- it benefited the entire campus when you brought him in. Right, right, right. Yeah, it did. Um, who'd, you, then, who'd you book? So I booked um, like I, be- I booked Eric Andre before <laughs> I always talk before anyone knew who Eric Andre was. So <laughs> he course. he wouldn't have been famous without Jimmy Moynihan's help. Yeah, I think because like we kind of like bond. I feel like they bonded a little bit and like I was really giving him positive vibes. I feel like that kind of juiced him up. And then <laughs> eight years later, <laughs> just took off. Yeah. And then uh, Justin McKinney and Mitch Patel and <laughs> comedians like Rob O'Reilly, <laughs> who was at the mic last night. And then uh, who else? Uh, Denal Rawlings from Chappelle's show. A lot of up and coming comedians. Yeah. Yeah, we had we had Dave Chappelle come to our campus once. What? Yeah, and I think back about it, and I can't believe we got him because I think it was in 2003, and that would have been like right during the Chappelle show. So uh, you know, like the year Perfect before, time. I think yeah, the year before, I think we had Fuel the band, and wow. then we and then we go to Chappelle. So I'm like, wow. all right, I don't know how that lines up, and and uh, I think some 41 came the year before I got there, something like that. But yeah, he was incredible. So and. and until I, until probably, I don't know, seven years ago, six, seven years ago, he, he was the only stand up I'd seen in person. So, mm. you know, I guess if you're going to get one, you might as well get the best. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> My first comic I saw was Louis C.K. And that Not was bad. Like, like big comic. Yeah. And I was in the first row. And afterwards, <laughs> I get, went to give him a high five and he went for the handshake. So, oh, yeah. Like so it was awkward. Weird, like, then. <laughs> But I touched the infamous hand that caused all the caused all the trouble. <laughs> well, some would say that's an important hand in comedy. <laughs> it kind of it kind of right yeah, it, it shaped the future and altered the past. That so, should it's be okay. Like, on the comedy awards, it's just Louis C.K.'s right hand. <laughs> <laughs> I have enough faith in Louis that he used the left hand too. You know, yeah, I'm sure. He's, yeah, it's quite good. Yeah. yeah. So He's who are the comedian? <laughs> so who are the comedians you liked uh, growing up? Uh. Definitely Brian Regan. Oh, wait, no. That was later on. 
Like what, like when I was younger, really? Yeah, like who who ins- which comedians inspired you to become a comedian? Mm, shit, I don't know. I can't remember. Shot. I know obviously I watch Seinfeld all the time, so I like when I watched Seinfeld, I thought, okay, that's that's what comedy is. You go to this dark restaurant area where everyone's eating. You just tell jokes for four minutes at a time. <laughs> that's what I thought comedy was. So yeah, well, so, share, some would say it is. Yeah, <laughs> open mics. You get four. Oh man, I miss those. I miss a good open mic and Maddie B's. When did you get into Seinfeld? Because you're how old are you now? You're like thirty one, maybe thirty two. Okay, so was Seinfeld on the air long enough for you to watch it? Like when it was new episodes? Yeah, yeah. I was like 13 when the show, 12 when the show ended. I think it ended in 1998. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. Jeez, I was 12. Yeah, 12, something like that. 13. So did you understand the show back then? Yeah. Well, I mean, it just made me laugh. Okay. I don't know. I just, and then I remember loving Kramer. Um, <laughs> Man, all of your idols have taken a quite a dive. Yeah, Louis, Kramer, Bill Cosby. <laughs> I, love, I love Bill Cosby. I listened, He was great. Oh, dude, yeah, that was one of them. I used to just, oh, shit. Yeah, me and my friend Josh would put on the Bill Co- the dentist, um, Bill Cosby dentist yeah. uh, skit sketch i just call it skit and uh we would laugh so hard and we would like uh imitate bill cosby all the time yeah real family man that guy yeah my dad used to play himself on car trips and i think back Mm. about that and i'm like you know my dad's relatively wholesome and i've never talked about maybe i'll do that tonight maybe we'll get together and we'll talk about bill cosby and what his thoughts are and how he think it shaped me and so now when he's disappointed in his son, you know, he can, he can blame Bill. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's a great idea. When did you move to Florida? That was a couple years ago? Yeah, almost two years, I think. I know we met up for uh, an open mic at Spotlight, and then I saw you had that show at Endwell. And then like a few months later, I looked on Facebook and saw you were posting about shows in Florida. I'm like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was like my, that was my last show in, in New York. And then I came to Florida. Yeah, it was like a last minute decision. I was basically, I was like, I was not digging Binghamton towards the end. Like I needed to get the fuck out of there. And so, yeah, I made like the last, literally like maybe a a month. I put, I I like waited about a month from when I decided I wanted to move definitely into it it happening. So it's pretty quick. Do you have family down in Florida? Yeah, yeah. My uh, mom and dad lives here <laughs> and then my grandma lived here right and um yeah it's a good place to go to uh to die <laughs> <laughs> i think that was the tagline just to, to every seinfeld episode whenever they're going down to meet the parents like ah well they're gonna die here anyway yeah <laughs> yeah it's not a good survival rate for the elderly <laughs> here <laughs> what so what part of florida are you in i i feel like weird because like I, we've been we've been doing an open mic together for like four months <laughs> and I know you're in Florida, but I really, yeah. uh, I don't know the area. It's, uh, <laughs> it's like, um, kind of by, it's like 45 minutes from Orlando, just okay. go south <laughs> or east, something like that. And, uh, yeah, it's Melbourne, Florida. And it's like five or six, like different, there's like Palm Bay and Cocoa and then Cocoa Beach and Vieira and, uh. It's a it's a really uh, interesting mix of racist people. <laughs> it's but no, then then like it took me a while to find like good people because like so originally I moved in with my parents in Vieira 
And then, like, I wasn't really that outgoing and still, like, kind of recovering from Florida. I mean, from New York. So, like, <laughs> I didn't go f- too far out of Vieira. So, like, for the first, like, three months, I thought, oh, okay. So, all of Florida is just old, uh, white, racist people. Because, <laughs> like, you know, you live under a rock. Um, so, and then... I looked on Facebook and I saw that there was an open, like this comedy open mic in O'Galley, which I've never heard of. So I went to the open mic and then like this place, O'Galley, it's like <laughs> there was like art places and like cool stores and yoga gardens and all this stuff. And then I'm like, holy, I didn't know a place like this existed anywhere close to my house. It's like completely different. But yeah, that's how it's moving. So how do you like the scene down there? Well, I don't like it right now because there is no scene. <laughs> there's no scene. It's just, it's, there's an open mic tonight. Um, so there's one open mic every Monday, but I don't want to, I'm not going. It's like super small and like there's some dirty people <laughs> there. None of the comics, they're all, they're good. But like the people that hang out there are pretty sketchy, filthy. Did, <laughs> so did I'm Flor- not going to that. Did Florida ever shut down completely? Yeah, well, like, all the restaurants closed and bars closed and everything but grocery stores and pharmacies, basically. And then we moved to phase two very soon. So, like, just for a short period of time, only essential services or essential activities, which included golf. (laughs) So, like, people golf their ass off during the quarantine. Do you golf? No. So <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's why you felt like a like a social outcast in Florida. Like everybody else is on the golf course. Yeah, in Vieira, I thought, okay, so if I'm going to have any friends, they're going to be at least sixty, and I'm going to have to learn how to play golf. And um, I was like, I was like literally planning. So then, yeah. <laughs> then I moved to downtown Melbourne with my buddy. And my two buddies. And then I'm like, okay. And then Florida got a lot better because I started meeting more and more people. And um, it's like all the, it's like literally this moment I decided, okay, I'm going to go out and venture out. And um, I mean, you can't expect to meet people if you stay stay in your house. No. and, And you know what? Like I'm 37 now. And I realized, I think when I was like 30, that I'm probably not going to meet friends anymore. Like the high school friends I have, they're getting families and moving away. And the college friends I had are getting better jobs and, and having families. And I'm like, I'm a and I'm like, I'm a 30 year old uh guy with no prospects. So I needed to get out. So when I started doing open mics, like that's where I made friends again. It was kind yeah. of like like I needed that push in the direction. And like, yeah, because I was working at home too. Like I'm, I mean, I didn't even have cats, so I had no friends. So I needed to get out and, you know, meet somebody. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, the thing that like the, the prospects, you don't need to have a prospect. People like, people just kind of wander into your life. If I feel like for me, it's like whenever I put out good energy, good vibes, low expectations that's when i like <laughs> or yeah and then like and then open and then i've learned to shut my mouth a lot more lately and you made a lot for me it's helped me meet more people <laughs> just being able to listen and shut my mouth <laughs> that's why i love podcasts i can just ramble <laughs> yeah like I, I always have a problem shutting my mouth like it's tough like i i want to say that joke or mm-hmm. or interject something yeah and then i and then I'll drive home and be like, you know what? I'm an idiot. 
I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get why nobody talks to me. Right. <laughs> yeah. I just like, I always, when I was younger, I was always the clown. Like, and then I realized what I did to myself was, and then I started hating and despising my, not despising my friend's sport, but you know, having a chip on my shoulder because even during serious shit or something was going down, I was always a dude that was just trying, was making everyone laugh. And so like, as I got older, I didn't, I wanted, I wanted like, I didn't want that anymore. And then I felt like I had a disconnect from all my friends and stuff because of that. But I slowly like, slowly gained that back. And it's just like, it's hard because like, I do comedy. I do stand up comedy because <laughs> it makes me feel good and that energy you get from a crowd. But I, I would like attention. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's the thing. Like, like, uh, you know, I, I'll get these these issues where I'm like, I don't really think I'm that big of a narcissist. And I'm like, oh, I have a podcast called On the Mic with Mike Peters. And <laughs> like I run shows under the Mike so? Peters Comedian banner. Like it is all 100% narcissism. You know, yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I get I get embrace it. I like the attention. And I think like for me, I got into stand up kind of because I think I'm, I'm the, well, I know I'm the middle child. And I think, you know, hey, look at me. Look at me, mom, dad, please look at me. And now, you know, they don't come to my shows, but everybody else has to look at me. So I got that validation. Right, and I, I just needed going. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's good validation. <laughs> but I'm, I want to get it. It's better to get real validation. I, but I feel like at the same time, there's like nothing like, like a comedy show. Like nothing like being on stage. Like last weekend was the first time I did a show since March. And... uh that I did like 10 to 12 minutes. I hosted and I opened with like 10 to 12 minutes. And um, when I got off stage, I was high as a kite. Yeah. I, there's no better feeling than what I felt after that. Because I did, I did pretty like without, I did, I did pretty well. So, uh, they're just like, that sounded terrible. We'll edit that. No, out. you're fine. <laughs> no, you're, no. I, I'm going to make sure to, to keep in every, every time you think you sucked, you said something stupid. I'm definitely leaving that in the show. <laughs> nice. At least there'll be a like document that I tried to, um, redact it. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did the show go? It went well. It went really well. I stayed outside. Like I would, I, I hosted. So I started the show, then I chilled outside and then, when the next comic went on, I brought him up and then went outside. So I was in, I was literally only in when I had to be. And, um, so yeah, so I did that, but then I'm, I, I'm going to stick to like outside shows, I think, especially right now, like my next show I'm doing is going to be at, cause of the, we're, I was supposed to do it this weekend, the 55 and up, uh, community, <laughs> like outside in their like, right. Like I'm going to be performing on like a horseshoe field. <laughs> or something. It's gonna be fun. Are you like opening for bingo? Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have uh they have bag uh what's it called? What are the old oh bridge. Yeah. They put bridge and then uh what's what's the the one uh it's on a boat. They the I forget uh, what it's called. Horn uh, no, that's that that's done outside of parking lots, I think. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I forget it. <laughs> this part I definitely will let it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh uh-uh. uh. No, it'd be, it'd be funny, like uh like just like you tell a joke and be like, all right, um, N54. All right, tell another joke. <laughs> right, right. In between. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love uh, senior. I used to go bingoing with my grandma. And uh, I love when there's a quick announcer when someone's uh, calling bingo and they go too fast. Because <laughs> they'll be like, 
the announcer would be like, B12. And then, like, six seconds later, and, th- and then you hear, like, 30 old ladies go, slow down! <laughs> it just brought me so much joy. I don't know why. I used to work at a nursing home, and it was so much fun and also depressing at the same time. Like, I love the job until uh, I saw somebody be wheeled out on a stretcher and i'm like oh that's like a body bag and everything i'm like oh i can i can work here and see my future at the same time that's right mentally prepare for the yeah inevitable yeah like i'm not a i'm not a horror guy either but i have this one kind of like recurring daydream like nightmare and i served food to this lady i just dropped off a cart of food Mm. and this woman who was like 180 years old she turned her head and just stared at me. And I'm like, all right, hi. And I walked away and she started walking after me. And like, I'm way faster than her, but I just felt like every time I took my eyes away from her, I thought she was running up behind me and was going to grab me. Ooh. So like, yeah. So I got to the um, the elevator and I had to like put a key in there to unlock the door. And I'm like, you know, just jiggling the keys, like go, 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 go. <laughs> and, uh, I, and I'm looking like, I, I swear she's right behind me. And she was like, didn't move an inch. But I'm like, like I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. So yeah, that's. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, I like old people. Man. Yeah, old people are. I mean, yeah, they can be scary. I just, I yeah, I don't know. I I I really do enjoy like visiting people at nursing homes, and they're so, like, if you talk to them, like old people are very very honest, or a lot of them are. And like, I feel like to get to like being eighty years old, you've had to make like some good decisions in your life. Um, so like, yeah, I just like, I like listening. I love asking questions and finding out some people just babble and then you're like, okay, I gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think you're going to be like a a fun 80 year old? Yeah, I want to be, I want to like always, I want to be smoking pot all the time and have like that, a robe, you know, my dick's always hanging out. I don't know why I said that. We'll edit that out. <laughs> you'll, just, you'll trip over your you'll trip over your balls, you know. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Be <laughs> you know that is that is funny because like when we're in our 80s, like the nursing homes are going to be just different. Like there'll be like a PlayStation Nine in the corner. Yeah, VR. And, and yeah, there'll be like like bongs on the table. Uh, somebody like just be snorting Adderall in the side. Like yeah. it's just going to be completely different. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be weird. It's going to um. I think VR and stuff like that is going to be cool. Like, how cool would it be being 80 years old, but having, like, you know, things attached to your body where they feels like you're moving and you can be 25 again? Imagine fucking a, a digital lady when you're 90. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think when you're 90, that's going to be the only type of sex you're going to be able to have. Yeah, but, like, imagine if they perfected... I told myself I wasn't going to be gross. Well, I did all this out. But imagine if they perfected it to a way where, like, (laughs) it feels really real. Oh, gosh. I'm just going to let you keep talking. (laughs) Like, like, I'm not going to say a word. We got about another 40 minutes. You could just ramble, and we'll see what happens. I should probably take over. (laughs) (laughs) You do do a podcast with with Ramon, right? Yeah, yeah, right now. I mean, Ramon. I always forget which one it is. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad because I was nervous. Like, 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 is it your podcast with him or his with you? So uh, it's me with. I basically jumped on to. He was doing like podcast 
and the quarantine hit and I was on his podcast and then we had a good time. So I think he said or I asked, I don't know. But uh we did like one podcast together and then like we just oh, we decided to put on a show. That's how it started. We decided we wanted to rip off our friend. I all I do is rip people off. Wanted they had like this fifteen minute segments where they would go through and have a different comic. It's a Zach Bennett. They did this. They have like a different comic every fifteen minutes. So me and Ramon wanted to do that, and then that nobody watched it. We put <laughs> we had like good <laughs> comics on there, like Shane Moss and <laughs> Mia Faith Hammond <laughs> and. uh Casey, but no one watched it. But then we realized, like, we have more fun just talking to local comics. It's like a lot more yeah. fun. So we just started doing that. Yeah, it's the it's a let's be friends podcast. Yeah, but then we created uh, woke up. <laughs> okay, w- woke up with Jimmy and Ramon, which is we were supposed to be woke. Like that was like we were supposed to bring knowledge to the people, wake people up. But um, I said the c word. I think four times in the first episode. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I like completely fun. It wasn't very, the first woke up was not woke. Like I really screwed the pooch, but it's, yeah. So we started doing that. It's a good way to pass the time and it's turning into something fun and people, people are tuning in. Well, I noticed you got, uh, I mean, I listened, I listened to a bunch of the episodes, but you guys were able to talk to Mark Norman. Yeah. Yeah. How did that happen? I uh, <laughs> I messaged him on Instagram and I said, um, me and my buddy Ramon have this podcast. Basically, just we have a podcast. We wanted to know if you could do like 45 on it. <laughs> and he said, sure. Like, I thought, like, I, I was very hesitant to ask. It's just like, you don't want to. And I, again, like, I would rather talk to comedians or people that I know. But we wanted to do, we wanted to talk to Mark. And so, yeah, I just asked and he said, sure. And then we had to reschedule because he was doing this uh, coast to coast roast thing. And then we rescheduled like a couple months later. And um, yeah, but I was I was terrified. I was so scared. I don't know. I like I, I can't even watch it. Did you watch it at all? No, I can't watch it. It was good. Yeah, I just can't hear my. I don't want to hear my voice. I hate my voice. I hate my voice and my face. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're on a podcast that's only audio, so I guess you're halfway happy. Halfway there, yeah. <laughs> no. Is Norman one of the guys you look up to now? Yeah, although I not anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I stopped. I like. I don't know what's wrong with me, but after I interviewed him, I can't watch his comedy anymore. I can't. I can't like. I don't know. I can't watch his podcast anymore i just feel like um i think it's like i gotta stay away from, i think maybe subconsciously i'm like i can't have this guy influence me too much because i want to be my own comedian oh and I, got I, you, I got you i was writing like mark norman-ish jokes luckily i i noticed it right away because i'm a little bit wiser than i used to be like in the past i could like be influenced by a comic and be writing like for instance i was writing like you know a classic one is like writing mitch Hedberg ask jokes or dimitri mark like i was doing that for a while but i didn't catch on to it but like this time i was like oh my god i'm writing mark norman style jokes like so i had to cut that up but yeah it's just like this weird thing like i talked to him and now i don't like i have so much anxiety like i looked at the comment section on youtube and one of the comments was wow mark literally does any podcast huh 
<laughs> or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's fine. But then I started um, questioning, like, oh man, I must have sucked on there. But like, yeah. No, I you're fine. About it. Okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah. No, you did great. And like, I just remember seeing that on Facebook. I was like, motherfucker. How, like, I, was, yeah. I was like half jealous and half pissed off because <laughs> you got what I, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like, but I thought that was great, man. You guys did a great job with it. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it was a blast. It was like an out-of-body experience for me. Out-of-Zoom experience. You're a, uh, Marianne Donnelly was your aunt, right? No, she was just a good friend. Oh, okay, um, okay. Yeah, she was friends with my mom first. Oops. Okay. And then, um, yeah, she was awesome. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how many people know, but she she died what almost three years ago now. Yeah, I'm terrible with time, but it has yeah, to something be like that. something like that. It was around around Christmas time, and uh, but she was like a huge part of the Binghamton scene. Yeah. And I mean, how long was she your friends with your mom? Like when you were a kid? Um, I think like when I was in high school, they were friends around then, and then uh, it's funny. Uh, my mom was in. The like they they had a small group thing like we were a bunch of I think that's where they met and um, Marianne would always talk about because when her husband died she wanted to move on to another chapter of her life and do something new so like she was going through all these things that she wanted to do like at first she wanted to be like uh like a singer like a burlesque singer like yeah uh, something like that and she really wanted to do that and she took voice lessons and um. And all this stuff and worked on it a lot. And then uh, it just didn't work out for her. Then her next idea was to do comedy. So when she started, she would run jokes past my mom. <laughs> and that's how like they started writing together. Your mom wrote with her? Yeah, like she would edit. like, But like, you know how Marianne was. She didn't take a lot of uh, notes. Or, yeah, because she would she would I would write with her. She always would say stuff like, I want to run jokes by you and see like, you know what you think. And then I would give her notes and she would shut every note down. <laughs> like she goes, I don't I that wouldn't work because I want to go for more of a. So, yeah, but it was still fun. It's like, uh, Jimmy, I don't want to use the C word. Like, stop, stop suggesting that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Throw in a C word, double your laughs. What's that from? <laughs> Forgot. Where uh, that from. Was she part of what got you into it? Like, uh, to take it more seriously? No. Okay. <laughs> I should have said yes, and she's dead. <laughs> yeah, she was, uh, she inspired me to, <laughs> no, but it was just very pleasant to have her around. And she's responsible for me, um. Meeting well, a don't do that of, to her. Yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> she took me to New York City like we went to New York City like every weekend for a while and um or at least a lot of weekends. And I met so many people because of that. So she and then she, she would take me everywhere. Like she would get a show where I was part of there, she would like let someone know and bring me along. And then I ended up like going even if I wasn't in the show just to support her. She was cool. And you and I'm sure you'd ask the host, can I do five or ten minutes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're in Florida now. We don't have to worry about it too much. Yeah. Yeah. Can terrorize people here. <laughs> so do you like Florida? I mean, now? Yeah. It's been pretty good lately. Took some time to adjust, but like, I like it and there's good people here. And uh, yeah. Do you see yourself ever moving back to New York or, you know, on the like further north on the East Coast? 
Yes. I uh, eventually want to move to the city, New York City. So when I'm in a position to do that, I'm going to do that. Um, but for now, Florida's cool. And um, I think I'm a little bit, little bit away from being able to do that move. But that's always been my, my big move. I just haven't got there yet. If you could open for one comedian ever, who would it be? I want to say Dave Chappelle, but I don't think I could open for Dave Chappelle. You just, I want to be able to do it because <laughs> I'm so, because uh, I'm so bad at comedy. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to open in front of anyone that I admire, so they wouldn't be able, because I wouldn't want them to see my comedy yet. <laughs> okay, let's assume you're you're working as a professional com- comedian. Uh, like you're fine. Then I'm you can headline. You can, yeah, you can headline places. You're fine. Your your stuff is good. Can you put yourself in that that mindset where okay, I deserve to be on stage with some of these people? Yes, barely, but yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, Patrice O'Neill is going to say he's dead. <laughs> that would be tough. Uh shit. I don't know. I don't really. I, Mark Norman, maybe. Then maybe we could uh, hit it off and be buddies. And you could you could watch his podcast or listen to his podcast again and never again. And watch his stuff. Yeah, I can't. Do you remember the worst set you've ever had? Uh, there's a lot of them <laughs> um let's see yes oh yes i do yeah it was bad it was uh right across from the baseball hall of fame in cooperstown new york and um i was opening for my housemate my roommate who's a magician um half hour <laughs> i thought two <laughs> like a year and a half in i could do a half hour of comedy that's how big of a piece of shit i was <laughs> so basically all i did to get to a half hour it might have been 20 minutes. I'm not, I don't remember. But I just put every single joke I ever performed on stage together in the last like, year and a half. But then I was like freaking out because like, I can't remember any of the order here. Like, I'm not going to be able to remember this. So the magician uh, had like this stand that was there. And I realized like I could put my set list. I could tape it to the back of the stand and no one will see it. And then I can just glance at the set list if I get lost. So I had that. And um, it was, I forgot to mention, it was at a V, was it VA veteran? You know, yeah. One of those, yeah. So it was all, it was like veterans that had been drinking all day long. And it was like eight at night. And uh, I luckily, I didn't have to worry about remembering my set because like I went into like, Five minutes, like my first five minutes I did and nobody laughed. It was just I because I was doing this like, you know, this hacky like college stuff like ramen noodles are great for because <laughs> I'm poor. <laughs> and then so nothing, nothing. And then they're heckling also, but like not aggressively yet. But then so like I completely lost where I was. Like I glanced at the set list that was behind the thing and someone like saw me look at it and he goes he's not he's reading from a goddamn script look at him he, he's got a script <laughs> and i'm like oh no like my face turned red and uh at that point um like everyone jumped on board that i was a hack because i had my set list written out and um including me i had i decided i was a hack <laughs> but uh <laughs> So, like, I was, like, I want to finish, like, the half hour because the people always say, like, do your time no matter what so you so they can't not pay you. So 
I um, there was one guy that was heckling the most, so I was I just sat on the stage. The last I think probably ten minutes was me sitting on the stage and just letting people heckle me because I know I realized that them shitting on me and heckling me was entertaining everybody. So I was like, okay, well this isn't terrible because everyone's. But anyway, so like the last ten minutes was was just me like this on stage, just like saying whatever and look like I was like basically having a panic attack so i get off stage and i was like 20 here and i ran across i ran out <laughs> and i started sobbing i started crying and i went to double day field which was literally right across the street and went up into the bleachers at double day field and just started sobbing on the sobbing like crying and um and but it was like at that point where like i got into it like i loved that i started crying and then i was like i'm on i'm on the historic double day field <laughs> crying this is this is I, like i got to like into how emotional i was because uh but anyway uh um, hey man honus wagner probably cried there too you're fine yeah exactly <laughs> i'm in good company so i was like how am i gonna go oh by the way my parents were there and like a huge part of actually comedy was like i, I like if my parents come i need to do well or like it's a hundred times worse if i do bad in front of my parents so like i didn't want to go back i'm like my ride was i think the brian the magician but I was like, uh, I have to, st I'm not going back there. It was like, so eventually I went back and the owner, whoever booked it, apologized to me. He's like, I'm so sorry about that. And then he gave, so originally I think I was getting like $25 or something like that. And he gave me a hundred dollars. No um, kidding. Yeah. For like, and then like pain. I, yeah. For pain and suffering? For the pain and suffering. And I am, I went from sobbing on Double Day Field to being like, show business, baby. <laughs> I was like so excited. I'm like, that's what it's all about. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. I was so excited to get a hundred dollars. I mean, it was a fluke. <laughs> but, uh, That'd be an interesting tactic. Like, uh, you cry after every set to just get paid more. I could do yeah, that. That's not a bad idea. I mean, I came, I came in visibly upset. <laughs> like I came in, like my eyes were red, and I didn't try to hide my emotions that much back then. But um, I think he already had decided. Like he, he like came up to me with a hundred dollars. Like he wanted to, he comforted me with money. Or whatever, whoever gave me the yeah, <laughs> money, which is a good comfort. And uh, yeah, what'd your parents that say? Was pretty bad. They had to be like, they had to go into parent mode because I was so upset. <laughs> they had to like say, "It's okay, everyone eats shit every now and then." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my know. parents have seen me do comedy three times, and I don't think they'd ever pay to see me again. Oh, not, not a bit. No, they're <laughs> yeah. like, you know what? We buy your dinner every once in a while. That's it. We pretend you laugh at your jokes over mozzarella sticks. We're not doing it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's pretty fair. You know? I, I like mozzarella like, sticks. We're good. I do love mozzarella sticks. <laughs> so you, uh, you're, you're, you've you been hosting this mic on Zoom since yeah. what? April, probably? I think so. Or maybe uh, May. Do you like doing that? Yeah. <laughs> I do like doing it. It's hard because like a lot of the times like I don't want it. I don't want to do it. I think about it and I don't want to do it, but then I'm always happy that I do do it. It's frustrating, you know, obviously Zoom mics are 
they're not a bummer, but it's like you just want to do the real thing. But uh, that's why I liked last night when it was more just like a workshop thing. I think that's a lot better because like basically the Zoom open mics where you're just you're doing seven minutes and then it's just the next comedian after that. I don't think that's very productive. I mean, you're doing the set and people are listening and you get like, la- you know, scattered laughs, but you don't get an audience response. You know what I mean? Like you don't even if some people laugh, you it's only a f- what like eight or nine, sometimes 10 comedians. You don't get a good feel of something worse. Something right. could kill in a Zoom room and eat shit in real life or something could eat shit in a Zoom room at, and do very well. In, in front of a live audience, I think. So um, I don't think getting the response from a few comedians, like laughter-wise, like deciding if a joke's good or bad just on laughter. So I think like the workshop thing is really good. And I want to like make it more workshoppy, I think, as we go. I think it's beneficial. And what I like about it is that you know, we've got comedians from Florida and Virginia, Pennsylvania, New York, LA. Everybody comes together for this one. It's really nice. It is pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. Were you able to take any of the stuff you've worked out over Zoom onto your first show? Yep. Yes, I did. Um, and some of it did well. <laughs> no, most I did. Yeah, I, I did like four of the b- better jokes, like the the dog joke, <laughs> the dog joke, you know, the ones that you everybody know, knows. <laughs> you guys know the dog joke. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mostly did material that I knew would, you know, proven material for my first time back, but I did like scatter in the new jokes. Were you comfortable and confident that those, those new ones would work? No, okay. <laughs> you know, but a couple of them did well. And because they were new, I added some like, st- I was not confident with it. So I added extra stuff to it and the extra stuff did better than, than uh, the actual joke that I wrote. How's your process work? Like, like say you're in a regular comedy environment like do you write a lot of stuff on stage no no i write it all out before and then i go up and i do the joke but then i kind of like mess around with it a little bit so i tinker it but i i don't like work stuff out i wish i could i, I should try doing that i'm like I, I still need to get to that point because i'm too vulnerable to not have you know something that i know i i'm really like a guy that to the script kind of dude yeah, so am I. And like, I'll get like a new tag on stage, but I don't have the confidence to go up there with like a premise and see where it goes. Right. At an open mic. And I feel like, feel like we should start doing that. I feel like just tinkering it. I feel like that's a great place to edit is during an open mic, just on stage. Yeah. Cause it's like, you gotta like, I always have that rushed feeling like, okay, I did that joke. I gotta jump right into the next joke. Like, what's the next joke? Because that's like how I, when I first started, it was the scariest thing for me was not, was forgetting my set. So like I programmed myself to memorize, you know, the set like uh, verbatim. And, um. Well, how anxious are you? Oh, when? Like, like overall. Oh, super anxious all the time. That's like my hardest, the biggest problem I have in my, uh, is just I overthink everything and like obsessive thoughts. And, um, it's like, I, so, sometimes I can, oh, sh- sometimes I can feel like I'm at peace and, um, and other times I can't. So when you're on stage, are you able to shut down that, that inner monologue? Um, yeah, yeah. I get into like a zone where I'm just thinking about my set and, um, 
yeah, I get to like uh, a spot. Like I'm nervous the entire day, and then once I get on stage, like I, I I have like a formula where I get all the anxiety out um, before I get on stage. So I just torture myself all day, and then uh, when I get on stage, I, I I get to a point where I'm in in the zone. Hopefully, again, a lot of the times I can't get to that place. So that's all part of the the process trying to do comedy i wonder if like the feeling you get like after that first show the feeling you got was in part because like you were able to not think about what could go wrong for the next for like 12 minute spot yeah 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 it was like just 12 minutes of it's that feeling like you have a joke you have a joke you have a joke you have a joke it's like i knew it's so much fun when you know like 10 minutes at this point it's like a very manageable for me but i was extremely terrified because it was my first time doing it since March 16th. So I was shaky. I um, bungled a couple jokes. I messed a couple things up. So it was it was definitely not flawless. But overall, and what I did was I acknowledged that I was like rusty, and that helped. But um, I don't know. It's it fun. It was like, oh man, I missed it a lot. Well, I think the audiences, like, because I've done a few shows, I think the audiences. They know it like they know, Okay, well, these guys weren't able to get on stage for a long time. You know, we don't mind cutting them some slack for a little bit. Like we'll wait for them to get back into the groove. Right, 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 right. (laughs) These guys didn't give a shit. (laughs) 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 They were just like uh, they uh, the the heckling was what made the show made my set super smooth, actually, because uh, like when I was a little rusty and got lost or messed something up they were not afraid to like chime in and like <laughs> and i wrote like everything that somebody said i had something to give that like it, i was like i think it's because i've been talking a lot more than more conversational so uh whenever someone heckled or something i was like bam right there and was able to get back in my set so that was like i think it made it an extra special set that people were involved even though they were fucking shot but not shouting, but just like they were happy. They were excited. I like excited heckling, happy heckling. Do you do well with crowd work? Uh, it's something that I don't do a lot of, but um, I, you know, it's like that's scary to me too because, you know, you don't know how the person's going <laughs> to, what the person's going to say or if it's going to go anywhere. But then I, I, I learned that you can move on. Like if someone's not, good to talk to you just move on to someone else but um i'm not good at just straight crowd work like i if i'm feeling confident i can talk to the crowd in between my jokes and stuff like that but you don't set out to do like okay well i'm gonna do you know i'm gonna open with 10 minutes of crowd work uh-uh no i can't do yeah that. That, would, that would scare the hell out of me yeah i'm not there <laughs> yeah it's pretty scary i feel like the people that are really good at crowd work have a formula and i feel like a lot of them have like kind of a pattern or a place to go like if someone someone was who does crowd work they were saying like every single profession i have some kind of variation of something to say to that profession or the way someone looks um the connection they have from where they what they look like to doing what they do most people probably aren't that like technical and annoying but i feel like a lot of people that are good at crowd work are prepared obviously yeah, they just work at it all the time and, yeah. you know, get so many sets. The best comedians I've ever seen do crowd work are all from New York City. Like, they just have right. to do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Same here. And the thing that's cool is how uh, 
how, like, comfortable they feel talking to an audience member and then, like, going back into the set. Like, that's really cool. How they can just, oh, yeah, switch right back in, talk. Doesn't throw them off at all. Do you like hosting shows? No, I don't. <laughs> I'd rather just do a set. But, um, you know, I'll take what, whatever I can get. I also don't like having to <laughs> go back up. Like, when I'm done with my set, I like the fact that I can just, like, divorce myself from the show because then, I, like, I feel less anxious. But when you're a host, you get to be anxious all goddamn night. Which <laughs> 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 sucks. I like hosting just because... I can take a bullet for the shows I produce. If mm-hmm. I'm doing something out of town and it's not my show, I don't want to host at all. You know, it's like, let me at least get some glory once. <laughs> right, right. I don't know. Do you actually enjoy like the actually hosting, like bringing people up? Yeah, I do. And, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't hate it. It's not like I have fun being a host and um, I like it like the expectations are at least for me are a little lower because no one really remembers the host material you know as long as you have high energy and don't completely eat shit you're good to go yeah i i always look at it like uh i don't want to tank before the people i bring up like like as long as i can do that i'm fine yeah exactly yeah you do not want to bomb as a host (laughs) completely uh you know the whole point is to get people you know all all wet for comedy. <laughs> <laughs> so do you know yet when Florida's going to get back into doing anything on a regular basis? No, I have no idea. As far as paid gigs, I don't think there's locally going to be that like that much because there's no, I mean, there's just no need. There's no need for that. You can't have live entertainment. You can't have crowds. It's not okay. beneficial to, to pay comedians, you know, when there's nothing going on. I don't know. So yeah, probably not a lot. There's like no plan. There's just the Zoom mics and the outdoor mic that's every three weeks. And then that's, yeah. And then doing shows, you know, the outside shows that you can find. I know. I I just don't like, like a lot of people ask me like, oh, when are you going to be able to do like, we're still outside for the mic. Like we're not even at Kelly's yet. And they're like, oh, when can you go there? I'm like, I don't really make that rule. Like it's, it's not, we can't do it right now. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. But just wait and stay busy. <laughs> uh, what 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 TV shows did you grow up watching? Simpsons. Big Simpsons uh, fan? Yep. Simpsons and what else? A lot of Simpsons. <laughs> Fuck. I'm shot, man. I can't think of any other shows. <laughs> Seinfeld, Simpsons. Um, oh, Salute Your Shorts. Um, oh. All that. Yep. Uh, those are goodies. Family Matters. Full House. I, my, my I love Full House. I, I get shit for liking Full House because like every once in a while I'll have a joke about it, like, you know, every week. And I fucking love it. I yeah. wanted to be Uncle Jesse in the worst way. And uh, now I, I am an uncle. I wanted to Look at that. be in Uncle Jesse in the worst way. Who didn't? <laughs> and yeah, it really was. I mean, it was a perfect, it was a great show. It had, <laughs> I mean, Watching it now, there's some episodes that are like, huh, but, and are like super corny, but that's what Full House is all about. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no. And then, you know, DJ and Stephanie Olsen twins. Are we just going to name the whole cast? <laughs> Danny Tanner. And then, <laughs> wait. <laughs> wait, Bob Michelle. Saget. Yeah. Bob Saget. Yeah. Yeah. Lori Laughlin, who's, uh, I think, is she in jail right now? I don't know. Um, I, I think, did she get like four months or something like that? Or I, don't I know think what it's it was. four months and then full house arrest. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. 
Thanks. Put that in your notebook. So it already is. I'm a hack. <laughs> <laughs> well, most of your set is self-deprecating, right? Yeah. Do you, do you feel like that's your bread and butter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like shitting on myself. Well, I think I feel like it's half and half. I feel like it's a lot less self-deprecating. It's hard. Like when you do self-deprecating, you have to like be very because like I was getting to a point where it wasn't. It was like like a lot of things the audience doesn't have to know. <laughs> I think it was too revealing in a way that bummed people out. So I had to like find a good balance there, which is not easy. But then like I found a way to like make. I think you have to like. Take it easy. I like take it easy on the set. It's such an art to take like sad things and make it funny. So hard to do. Uh, But that's my favorite thing to do is when you think of something terrible and like find a way to make it funny. It's like that's like extra exciting to me. I think that's one of my favorite parts about Mike Birbiglia, where he'll talk about how he's got the sleepwalking, uh, you know, I guess disease. I don't know what this disorder. Disorder, yeah. And and then uh, uh, you know he had cancer. Anything bad that happens to him in life, he'll bring on stage and make everybody laugh about it. I think it's a huge talent. Yeah, and it's such it's cathartic to watch that kind of stuff. Yeah, because he's struggling. Man. It's not easy to do though. Yeah, Mike does it perfect. He, Mike Rebeglia does it perfectly. Time it, plus tragedy equals comedy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite. My favorite quote of all time with tragedy is Mel Brooks uh, is like, uh, tragedy is when I cut my finger. Uh, comedy is when you fall into an open sewer and die. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, Mel Brooks That's is, cool. uh, you know, he's okay. I love Mel Brooks. What's your favorite Simpsons episode? Do you have one? I love Monorail. Yeah. It's perfect. And there's so many um, funny moments in that. And then uh, Homer Goes to Space. It's a great one. I love that one. Deep Space Homer. Yeah, is that it? And then yeah. uh, there's so many good ones. I like when Lisa, Ralph falls in love with Lisa. It's a classic. And then I love all the early um, Treehouse of Horror. Those episodes are just amazing. Every single one I love up until like season eight. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite episode is Lisa on Ice. It's, oh, that's uh, a good one. Yeah, it's Lisa and Bart play hockey. Yeah, and like, yeah, and my friends and I at in Maryland, we would always quote that episode, and, but we'd quote a line and then trace it back to that episode. Like it was like that just had so many golden quotes. Right. What's one of them? Uh, it, well, it's you got Homer. Uh, well, Bart and Lisa are are arguing, and Lisa says, "All right, well, I'm going to move my arms around just like this." <laughs> and if you, and if you get in the way and it hits you, it's not my fault or it's your own fault. And then uh, they get in a fight and Marge goes upstairs and just says, Homer, now you don't eat this pie. So he so he moves his head back and forth. He goes, pie, I'm going to move my head just like this. And if you get eaten, it's your own fault. And he goes, <laughs> it's, and he goes ah, screw it. He just eats the pie. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great episode. It's perfect. <laughs> they have that final showdown, right? And do they like decide not to? They decide to like not not he like he doesn't even shoot Bart doesn't even shoot at Lisa right yeah there's a penalty shot and I think they're tied like three three and uh, it's Bart gets the penalty shot against Lisa who's in goal and he decides he sees the the crowd I think it says kill Bart kill Bart and Bart kill Bart kill oh, right, and right. he sees that and says you know what I love my sister and they decide to have this cute little moment and then Springfield Aww. riots. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> Pretty much. So, where do you want to go in comedy? Like, what do you want to do? You want to, you want to be a stand up in the city? I want to be a writer. 
but yeah, I want to do, I think a good way to start is to do stand up in New York and hopefully, um, start writing for whatever, whoever. That's my ultimate goal is to get a nice cushy writing job. With whoever. Whoever. So you're not picky. Anyone. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm talking porn. I'll write like porn comedies. I don't care. Not that. I don't know why I said that. Edit it up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is going to be like six minutes long. I know. <laughs> I suck. <laughs> well, dude, man, I-, I had fun talking to you. Uh, I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Do you have anything to plug? Any social media? Nope. (laughs) 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 I got nothing going on. Yeah. Just uh, uh, check out my Zoom open mic every Wednesday at 9. Um, Link is in the comments. (laughs) 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 Or in the description. I don't know. I'll edit this out. All right. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. I appreciate it, man. I'll talk to you in a bit. Of course. See you, Mike. Peeling back my sunburned skin. I'll wait outside your bedroom. I, I hope they let me in.